Today on Ag News Daily. For me, I think because I was in that internal conflict of, you know, wanting to be in agriculture, but not really feeling like there was a job title or that it fit into my lifestyle now, I, I want other women in agriculture to realize. Happy Friday and happy Earth Day, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Kubota. Together we do more. Delaney Howell joined by Tanner Winterhoff today. And Tanner, for today's Earth Day, it is rainy and the soil is getting some much needed moisture. Yeah, I think if things weren't already greened up, this is going to certainly trigger it as we've got some warmer temps in our forecast. And as we talked before we started recording here, I had just over an inch of rain at my place, uh, central Iowa overnight, and it's still raining as we talk. Yeah, I was talking with my future father-in-law this morning. They got about an inch and a quarter there in east central Iowa, northeast central Iowa, and a lot of corn is going to get planted in May, Tanner. That's the way it's looking, and it seems like the producers that I've talked with, uh, if if they get a window to do something, they're leaving their their soybean plates in their planters and are going to go beans first while the temps are a little bit cool for the soil uh, and then switch over to corn. Yes, I, I think that's probably a good assessment there. Starting to see some soybean plantings rolling though. So that certainly is good news for those folks trying to get in and out of the field. Tanner, I got to ask you, do you think that once you start talking about weather a lot, that's a sign that you're getting old I think it's a sign that you're in agriculture. Okay, that's good. That's a good answer. I like that. Well, I've got quite a bit of (laughs) weather-related news today because, yes, we have lots of weather going on. The U.S. drought monitor, most recent drought monitor, just got released yesterday, Tanner. And all in all, it showed some powerful spring storms that delivered some late season snow, you know, Easter weekend, Tanner, folks up in the Dakotas got quite a bit of snow, which they needed. A lot of moisture is still in deficit there. About 46% of North Dakota is still in some form of drought compared to 54% last week and 86% at the start of the year. So starting to see some drought conditions improve there in the plains. However, as you look across the U.S., a lot of areas in this week's drought monitor actually showed worsening drought conditions, especially when you look at areas to the west and northern plains. So certainly watching that as well as a winter storm that's intended to sweep through areas this coming weekend. Once again, Tanner could see uh, mostly up into Canada, but some areas even into North Dakota could see another one to two feet of snow this weekend. Wow. I had not seen that yet. That's super unfortunate, actually. <laughs> it, it just is fun to watch Twitter and just to put into perspective where everybody is at for Either they've got too much rain and can't get in the field or they don't have enough. Yes. And like we talked about yesterday, it's kind of like if you were to draw a line down the middle of the United States, that would be a pretty good indication of who's getting rain and who's not. Yeah, absolutely. So as we venture over to the White House and Delaney, it's raining harder now. I don't know if the listeners can hear that, but uh, I may be stuck where I'm at here for a little bit. But anyway, (laughs) back to the news. Headed to the White House, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen 
the top White House advisor for finance, obviously, Treasury side of things, called for major reforms in the World Bank on Thursday. So she's saying that the seven-decade-old development bank was not built to address multiple and overlapping global crises all at the same time. And she's talking about the Russian war with Ukraine, the after effects of COVID-19 pandemic, and their mission to attack climate change. So the World Bank has about $1 trillion to lend out on a revolving basis. So as people make their payments back, countries make their payments back, obviously they have more funds to lend out. But they only had $99 billion available, so basically one-tenth of that, available to lend out in the first quarter, or I'm sorry, to lend out in the entire year for 2021. So the, the World Bank appears to have been active in lending out to try to help prop up world economies. Uh, but as Yellen is saying, they're running out of money, running out of available funds, and they see that the need is even greater. One of the quotes she has in here is, and if you tried to tackle climate change, that alone will cost trillions and trillions. So it's unclear, Delaney, where she's expecting the funding to come from, the additional lending resources, but she certainly is calling for reform in the idea that we need to provide more World Bank support to global economies. Tanner, I'm curious, in situations like that, do the banks just print more money? So to me, my understanding of the World Bank, so the Federal Reserve, yes, could print more money. That's the United States arm, but the World Bank my understanding there is that it is funded globally. So uh, it would require injections of capital or injections of cash from various countries. So in theory, you're right. The U.S. could print, could vote to print more money and inject it into the World Bank to then turn out and lend right back, hopefully gaining a return on investment. Um, but it, yeah, it is a little bit more of a complex mechanism when you're talking to World Bank. Okay, I've got one more question to throw your way as you're talking about the Federal Reserve, because they meet here in about 10 more days. And a lot of traders on Wall Street are watching very closely to see how members act heading into this meeting, because it's largely expected that we're going to see potentially another raise in interest rates or just an indication of how aggressive these interest rate hikes are going to be coming here over the rest of this year. Tanner, I'm very familiar with the bulls and the bears of the commodity markets, but from a Federal Reserve perspective, what does it mean when they are doves and hawks? <laughs> I actually have have not paid attention to those terms before. Um that, that is something I will have to look up and get okay. back to you. I would assume uh, it's I'm largely not. hawks seem like they want to kill. They want to, they're aggressive doves, in my opinion, again, without knowing this or looking this up, doves would, in my opinion, seem like they're the more docile bird. And right. let's just assume that's maybe kind of along the lines of what those things mean, but apparently traders on Wall Street are watching because they're saying a lot of the feds who had previously been seen as doves from a policy standpoint have been making very hawkish comments, including Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, which is essentially making traders nervous and worried that the Fed will be too aggressive in taking away 
this article is calling it the candy bowl that has largely supported an unending supply of money flow. So I think that goes right along really with the story that you were just mentioning there about the World Bank, Tanner. Yeah, and I I have been seeing headlines of people that had not supported rate hikes or not supported a fast rise in interest rates starting to flip the switch when they realize that it is mostly out of their control and that's the last lever they have to pull. So I, you know, without looking it up, I think our assumptions of the doves and the hawks is probably pretty accurate. <clears throat> but to stick right into boring news on the financial side, since, you know, I'm, the, I'm probably the only nerdy one that likes this, you know, we've had huge rallies, Delaney, in commodity prices. So obviously some blockbuster price surges, as this article says. But now traders are turning their tide to the currencies because they have a fear that we may be getting into a growth slowdown. So in a growth slowdown, usually we rely on commodities as a tangible asset for investors, for traders to play with. But now they're focusing on the Aussie dollar and the Colombian peso. Again, two currencies that are very closely tied to agricultural commodities, because you think of the Australian market and the Colombian market, uh, both having their strong agricultural ties. Again, Talking about World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, which is regulated by the World Bank, has slashed global growth forecasts by nearly a full percentage point. And the last time that they did that was in the first portion of COVID outbreaks. So again, tying down sanctions in Russia, there's further lockdowns in China for COVID, and the prices of oils and metals continuing to be skyrocketing because of tight supplies, traders are now focusing on the currency side of thing, which will be interesting, Delaney, to see how that now takes funds out or changes the temperament of those trading commodities. Well, Tanner, before I get to my next piece of news, looking at trading commodities as well, I wanted to remind folks that farming demands well-built equipment, Kubota equipment that's built right, built ready, and proven for over a century. Tractors that are adaptable and versatile, Hay tools backed by a two-year warranty, sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed, and productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do. Kubota equipment is ready to get it done right. Learn more at KubotaUSA.com. Tanner, this was an interesting article that I read this morning in Reuters, written by Karen Braun. And for those of you who are on Twitter, know Karen pretty well to be a pretty well-respected market analyst and reporter. And she had an interesting article this morning looking at China's soy demand and the drop that we've seen here in 2022. And she's positioning basically that China has been significantly throttling soybean imports this year to well below recent levels and normal levels due to a potential pullback in their hog herd. Now, if you think back, we've really been dealing with African swine fever here over the last couple of years. And in the first quarter of 2022, China finally had pork output that showed pre-ASF normal levels. So they've been able to start to fill that protein deficit left by African swine fever. However, Karen's saying that due to the high feed cost we're seeing right now, and if this remains high, particularly because some Chinese hog producers may have had to cull animals following a long period of losing money, 
we could see folks just continue to say, I'm not going to get back into hog production or perhaps saying we're going to really ramp things down because we can't afford these high feed costs. And so she's suggesting that this could further reduce soybean demand, which has already notably dropped off this year. And according to the USDA's most recent numbers, China will import an estimated 91 million tons of soybeans versus 100 million from last year's marketing year, which is the second time since the 2003-04 marketing year that imports fell on the year. The last time was in 2018-19 when ASF was really in full force. So all in all, a couple of, you know, that, that seems a little bit of a mixed bag there because we do continue to push commodity prices higher. However, as bad as it sounds, you know, if we had a weather related production issue this year, that may not be the worst thing because we're going to see some demand rationing here, I think, anyways. Yeah, I I think every news platform is reporting on that export sales, all grains, really corn, soybeans, wheat dropped in the last seven days. So uh, it's going to take a significant weather event or a significant news change, in my opinion, for our commodities to see another rally point. Otherwise, as planning progress takes and moves forward, uh, if exports continue to shrink, it's hard to believe, Delaney, that we wouldn't be seeing here possibly a top. You know, By no means am I a commodity trader, but when all things point one direction, uh, it's really hard not to consider that as far as that goes. But I did, I did find for us the popular hawk or the popular, yes, the popular definition of a hawk is those who advocate for aggressive foreign policy, whether that is based upon strong business decisions or strong military power, doves tried to resolve international and political conflicts without the threat of force. So I think we were spot on Delaney. I think so, too. Their observations. Mm -hmm. The last piece that I have of news is an announcement that came out of John Deere's camp today. Or, yes, first thing this morning. Uh, they are announcing a joint venture with the autonomous sprayer company called Surefire Ag System. I'm sorry, Gus Automation. Last week, they announced their partnership with Surefire Ag Systems. And now they're going to add Gust Automation out of Kingsburg, California. There's that rain again. I know, I hear we're it, Tanner. Gonna, we're not going to get away from it. <laughs> this, this Gus Automation is engineered autonomous orchard and vineyard sprayers. Their system of sprayers can be supervised by one single operator. Their software was developed in-house and now can control application rates, sprayer speed, and terrain compensation. So as the demand for high-value crops continues to grow, John Deere spokesperson says, we see a significant opportunity to help growers be more productive while addressing their challenges of increasing labor costs. So that is the latest news out of the John Deere camp. Well, I've got one final story here as well, Tanner, looking at U.S. unfilled grain cart 
and grain orders, because we talked a little bit yesterday about Ukraine's rail shipment issues. But according to a recent analysis by the American Farm Bureau, they found that the number of unfilled grain car orders has increased by nearly 50 percent compared to last year. Their ag economist, Danny Munch, told Brownfield that unfilled orders are a day or more late to buyers like grain elevators, and many have waited much longer than that to get some much needed rail cars. They said that over half of the orders that they were wanting have been one to two days overdue. And in some extreme cases, 11 or more days overdue. So certainly goes to show we're having a lot of issue moving grain from the areas we still have some old crop left into areas that perhaps need it for commercial product purposes or for export purposes. Yeah. I don't think that we're going to see it get resolved anytime soon. But listener, don't forget that farming demands well-built equipment. Kubota equipment that is built right, built ready, and proven for over a century. Tractors that are adaptable and versatile. Hay tools that are backed by a two-year warranty. Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. The productive SSV skid steers. There's farm work to do, listeners. Kubota equipment is ready to get it done and get it done right. Learn more about Kubota at KubotaUSA.com. What did the grains look like in the overnight, Delaney? Well, yesterday, you know, we had a pretty ugly sell-off day, largely due to, like you're saying there, Tanner, weak export sales numbers. And that certainly aided the bears yesterday to win the market a fight, if you will. In the overnight this morning, corn, soybeans, and wheat are largely higher on the board. It'll be interesting to see how they follow through and if people will shore up positions heading into the weekend or if we'll largely remain long the commodity markets. Livestock are having a positive day in the overnight as well, as live cattle and feeder cattle are all trading higher. Lean hogs has been on quite the tear lower now. And we've seen a couple of sessions lower here. So it'll be interesting to see how they pull through this morning as well. But Tanner, we've been talking to a lot of content creators this week on the podcast. Well, I think that's been very timely as our listeners are getting ready, geared up to get in the cab. Uh, We should be able to continue to share alternative options than the Ag News Daily podcast for them to get their fix in on a daily basis. Absolutely. And we're going to share one more alternative option if you're looking for something to switch it up in the field this spring, chatting with Allie Spears of the Ag Chicks podcast. Well, folks, very excited to chat with a fellow podcaster today. We're chatting with Allie Spears. You may have heard her voice or seen her face on the Ag Chicks podcast. Allie, really excited to talk to you today. I got to say, I like your theme of deep roots and dirty boots. Thank you. Yes, it was um, the perfect tagline, I felt like, when I started all this. And so how long ago did you start the Ag Chicks podcast? And what made you dive into the podcasting world? So I started my podcast in April of 2020. 
um, like most of the world. I had gone home from my full-time gig um, to work from home uh, due to COVID, and I really felt like I had been disconnected from my roots of agriculture. Um, I grew up on a farming and ranching operation in Northern California, and then after moving to Texas and completing my degree and getting a job, I just really missed the kind of day-to-day operation of being on the family op- the family ranch and farm. And so I felt like I wanted to connect in some way and therefore was trying to kind of figure out the best way to do that. And I thought, well, I don't really know what exactly I want to do with my life. So maybe if I talk to other women in agriculture, I'll get an idea. And that's really kind of how the podcast started. And it has grown into so much more than that. And um, now really just sharing women in agriculture stories. So that's what I'm excited to hear about is is first, are you still working that job from home and doing this? Or when you said this has become more than just a podcast, what does it look like now? Yes. So I am still working full time um, for that job and we are back in the office now. Um, But I, because this grew so much, I didn't want to just kind of stop it when I went back to work and have it be just a COVID hobby. Um, that seemed to be something that was really powerful and something that was kind of being missed in our industry. And so because of the growth, I have now decided to continue um, doing the podcast. I am currently recording episodes for my third season. And also it has grown into kind of a brand as well, um, where I'm connecting not only with women in agriculture, but people outside of agriculture, and then also um, representing companies and businesses within the industry as well. So Allie, do you only focus on women in agriculture? Is that kind of the foothold of your brand? It is. And it didn't mean to be that. It kind of started with, um, I'm just going to talk to people and figure out like what they do because I wasn't, again, totally sure the direction I wanted to go in. Growing up, I kind of knew I wanted to be an ag, but I didn't know like what the perfect job title was. And so I thought, well, if I talk to people, maybe I'll figure that out. Um, And so the... The, the premise of it was not to be all about women, all about agriculture. I obviously feel like that was a very important turn that it took. And when I was about, I think, like 15 episodes in, I realized, oh, my gosh, I've only talked to women. So that's kind of how it got branded and named. Um, and actually, I operated under the Dirt podcast for the first season. And then after I realized because I really was highlighting women that I needed to kind of changed the name and my Instagram handle was already ag chicks. And so I just kind of made the transition to brand it as one entire brand after that. It's a fun podcast. Even as a male, I picked up a couple of your shows. The one that I listened to most recently uh, was with the two sisters in Southern California that make custom cowgirl boots, but I know that they also make cowboy boots. Um, So it is, it's unique that you picked up on how, your podcast not necessarily changed directions, but how it established its own personality. What do you want to see this brand become in the future? For me, I think because I was in that internal conflict of, you know, wanting to be in agriculture, but not really feeling like there was a job title or that it fit into my lifestyle now. I want other women in agriculture to realize, or women who maybe want to be in agriculture, that you don't have to fit into this perfect, perfect little box of, you know, being a ranch wife or being a farm wife, 
although those are essential roles to the industry and to many operations, there is a wide variety and array of things that you can do and still be involved in agriculture. And that's really kind of the message that I would like the podcast to continue to have as it kind of evolves and grows, hopefully over the the seasons to come. So Ali, you started this in 2020 in the height of COVID, uh, which I love that that's kind of the timeline that you brought this to the forefront. Because I I imagine that a lot of people, myself included, you know, we were looking for new ways to connect with other people because we physically couldn't connect with people. But as you look at some of those messages, you said you're going into your third season now. What's been the most uh, memorable interview or message that you've gotten out of this podcast? You know, I get asked that all the time and I never have a great answer, um, specifically because every interview seems to have its own direction that I'm not expecting that it's going to take. Or I feel like some of the people I know in person and when I interview them, I find out things that I never knew about them. Um, I think the ones that have been the most impactful for me, though, are ones where I have actually never met the person, never communicated verbally with them, just usually like through email or messages on Instagram. And then they sit down and they tell me their whole life story. And I just feel honored that they trust me, first of all, to let me in. And then also that they're letting my listeners in as well and and the audience in because it's a really vulnerable thing. And I think people don't really think about that when they think about, oh, I'm listening to a podcast. Um, And so for me, there isn't one that specifically sits, stands out. They're all kind of unique in their own way. Um, And depending on kind of the the role that that person is in it, it goes different different routes even if I've had people I've interviewed multiple people who you know have direct beef uh, businesses but each one of those interviews is still different and I think that's one of the things I really like is it, it doesn't get boring <laughs> yeah no kidding and as we know as fellow podcast hosts it certainly takes a lot of time so this has probably become a, a major hobby of yours is there anything else that you enjoy for hobbies or is there something that had to take a back seat as this brand has continued to grow? Yes, great question. Um, So I joke that I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, whether that be good or bad sometimes. Um, So in addition to my full-time job, I'm also currently getting my PhD in ag communications and um, leadership and education. And then also, so Ag Chicks, besides the podcast, has really kind of (laughs) transformed into a... um, content creation and working with brands, which is like a whole nother thing I was never expecting, never really wanting to get into. Um, But there really has been a need for it, especially in the ag industry, just because it's kind of uncharted waters. Um, So we're trying to learn from other industries to make ours better. And also my main goal at the end of the day, too, is also to connect is to connect with consumers. Um, So that's been a unique avenue that this has allowed me to go down. And then also, um, my mom and I have a a business called Junk and Disorderly, and we do um, antiques and farmhouse decor and things like that. So we shop here in Texas, and then we take a lot of that back to California and do big barn sales uh, a couple times a year on our family operation. So um, it's definitely not taking a backseat and not taking the front lead. It's kind of one of those things of I have my calendar laid out and I figure out when I can fit things in and some late nights for sure, but I wouldn't have it any other way at this point in my life. I really think that each thing has its own important role of making me who I am and are important things that I'm passionate about too. 
Yeah, we totally relate to just squeezing things in when it works. Uh, Tanner also hosts another podcast and we certainly stay busy. So we understand that completely. I'm curious, what are you getting your PhD in? Yeah, so I, again, this has kind of been a thing that came about because of this whole journey with ag chicks. Um, I actually was wanting to go to law school initially. And then as I, again, started talking to women and, and other people in ag, I realized that there is just such a gap for being able to communicate effectively about agriculture, not only within our industry, but outside of it. So I'm currently getting my PhD in agricultural leadership, education, and communications, like the world's longest name ever. But, um, yeah, with a focus in communication and education, really. That's fantastic. Really um, impressive. It's been fun to see it from the reasoning behind why we do things from the research standpoint. So it's been really eye-opening, honestly. Absolutely. It's definitely been eye-opening. And I guarantee you, our listeners are going to think the same thing. So please drop how they can find you. How can they get connected with you if they want to learn more about what you got going on or maybe even want to be a guest on your show? Yeah. So um, I am Ag Chicks across all social media platforms. Um, I have a website. It's just www.agchicks.net because .com is not available. Um, And then uh, just email is also a great way to reach out agchicksinfo at gmail.com but I'd love to chat well again a big thank you there to Allie great to have her on and chat and Tanner and we certainly have given our listeners a lot of good content options for planting season this year but we certainly hope they stay tuned with Ag News Daily as they're getting in the fields absolutely and uh Stay tuned to the Ag Chicks podcast because it sounds like I might be the first dude, the first guy, the first gentleman on the Ag Chicks podcast. I'm going to be so excited for that, Tanner. <laughs> I I hope I don't let you down. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Absolutely. Well, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let the people go? Let's let them go.